0: All right. Let's take our Bibles this morning. Join me, if you will, in First Chronicles chapter number 14, uh, Old Testament, not not First Corinthians. That's New Testament. This is First Chronicles. That's Old Testament, page 472 this morning. And if you'll join me there, if you have an old Scofield Bible. If you don't, if you'll just start at the front, go over, I don't know, 10 or 12 books or so, you probably will hit the book of First Chronicles chapter 14. We'll read some verses along here in the service this morning. Again, thank you so much for coming. I hope you'll be back in our service again this evening at 5.30. And don't forget, 505 prayer room, back in your classes now. And uh, so as we, you know, open back up gradually, carefully, safely. And uh, so I hope you'll be here for that as well. All right, First Chronicles chapter 14. If you're there, would you say amen? amen. All right, I want you to look this way, if you will. I read this week about this little boy, you know, as uh, some of the ladies have a tendency to do. Every night, she would rub this cold cream all over her face. And one night, he got to watching her do that, and he asked her why she was doing that. She looked back at him, and she said, well, I'm doing this to make myself more beautiful. Then, in just a few moments, he watched her. She wiped that cold cream off of her face, and he said to her, as only a child could say, he said, what's the matter, Mama? You given up? You know, it's sad, but it's true. Many in our day have given up. You know, many in our day have given up on church. All of us in here, no people throughout this whole COVID ordeal have now quit on church. Others have given up on faith. They never read their Bible. They never pray anymore because they have totally abandoned their faith. Many others, you know, when you give up on church and you give up on faith, ultimately you're giving up on God. And many have given up on God. And may I just say this morning that their lives are none the better for it. In fact, anytime anybody gives up on those three things, faith, church, and God, it is a recipe for disaster. You know, I can't think right now, I can't think of anybody whose life has become better because they gave up on church, or on faith, or on God. I, you know, I get it. I'm like you. I know the troubles are real, and the pressures are real, and the problems are real. But it is indeed a tragedy when anybody gives up on God. Well, this morning, I want to begin the message, just sitting that aside for just a moment. I want to get, begin this message by making two statements this morning, all right? The first statement is this. Number one, the devil is not going to win. The devil is not going to win. In fact, can I tell you this? He's going to lose. In fact, can I tell you this? He's already, he has already lost. You see, the Bible said in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 8, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Jesus Christ left heaven, came to this earth, lived on this earth, then died on Calvary, stayed dead for three days, rose again from the dead, 40 days later ascended back to heaven, and he did all of that that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, you know, we've just come. From through Easter's Ten Sunday mornings I preached on the subject of Calvary. But in reality, what Jesus did while he was hanging there upon that cross was this. He dealt the devil a mortal head wound, ladies and gentlemen, and the devil will never recover from it. In fact, can I tell you the first promise in our Bible goes along something like this. Genesis 3.15, the Bible said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed and it, the seed of the woman, uh, the seed of the woman shall bruise thy head, and, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, in that prophecy, in other words, what we get out of that prophecy is this. When Jesus died on Calvary, the devil bruised the heel of the Son of God. But when Jesus died on Calvary, thank God he gave a death blow to the head of the devil when he died on Calvary. That leads me to say this, the devil's not going to win. You know, if you ever have the choice between getting a win wound on your heel or a wound in your head. Without doubt, choose the heel wound over the head. Because I'm telling you, when Jesus got up out of that grave the morning of the third day, I'm telling you, he dealt a mortal blow to the head of the devil himself. In fact, I already read the, the back of the book. I've already found out, friend, the devil is on his way to the lake of fire, and there's not one thing he can do about it. I said all I would say this, the devil, it might seem like he's winning, but he's not going to win. But then number two, let me say this. Not only is he not going to win, but number two, he's not going to give up. He is not going to give up. Even though he suffered a mortal head wound on Calvary, how many of us know that any time that you can cut a head of a snake off, but that old snake's body will continue to wiggle. And in many instances, it can still bite you. I read this week about a woman. Her name was Jennifer Sutcliffe. She and her husband live in Corpus Christi, Texas. She was doing some yard work not long ago, and she found or she saw a four-foot-long rattlesnake in their yard. You know what she did? She called for her husband. Her husband went to the garage, got a shovel out and came over there and with that shovel he he decapitated that rattlesnake, cut its head off from the rest of his body. Well, he reached down then going to get the head of that rattlesnake, going to, dis- to dispose of it and that rattlesnake bit him injecting into him a massive dose, a dose of venom. In fact, he almost died from it. He spent several days in the intensive care unit in the hospital, received 26 doses of anti-venom and to this very day his kidneys are still not working well. You know why I'll tell you why. In Many times a head of a snake can still bite you even though it's been cut off from its body. I said all that to say this. The devil is not going to win, but let's just face it. He also is not going to give up. He's going to battle us. He's going to come against us every step of the way. And that's what our text is all about this morning. I want to preach on this thought this morning the devil when the devil won't give up. When the devil won't give up. How many of you have been battling the devil this week? How many of you have been in a good fight recently with the devil? Hey, let me ask you this. How many of you have lost a battle or two recently to the devil? I want to tell you something. He's not going to give up. Now, before I read you this text, let me remind you where we're at in our Bible. One of the greatest, most familiar stories, well-known story of our Bible, is when David, little David, went down to the Valley of and fought and killed the Philistine giant by the name of Goliath. That's a great story. You know, we still use that terminology today. When we talk about a weaker team playing a very strong team, we'll say it's a David and Goliath kind of event. You know, we've heard that before. Well, David, not only uh, not only did he defeat Goliath, but the Bible said he took Goliath's sword and cut his head off. Remember the story? And when Israel saw David in that great moment of great victory, Israel, Israel, who had previously been hit out in the rocks and the dens because they were afraid of that giant who had been cussing God and throwing rocks and kicking dirt for 40 days, defying the armies of Israel. They were hunkered down. They were scared to death. But when they saw what David did, they took courage. They got up from behind those rocks and those trees and caves, and they come out and they literally beat the fire out of the Philistine army that day. So not only did David get the victory over Goliath, Israel got the victory Over the Philistines. Now you would think they would learn their lesson. You would think they would say, okay, man, after we took a whooping such as that, we don't want to go back into that area again. We're done with those Israelites and we are done with David. We want nothing else to do after the kind of whooping that we took. But then we read in our text this morning, notice in 1 Chronicles 14 and verse number eight, after the battle with Goliath, After the tremendous victory in Eli, when the Philistines, verse 8, heard that David was anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek David, and David heard of it and went out against them. And the Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Riphaim. That word Riphaim means the valley of of giants. And the Bible said that verse number 10, David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said, Go up, I will deliver them into thine hand. And then if you'll read verse 11... Oh, my soul, David had put something on them, and the armies of Israel put something on them Philistines that day that Ajax couldn't scrub off. I mean, whoop the fire out of them again. Now, honestly, now we think, okay, they get the picture, leave David alone, leave Israel alone. But now, if you will, look at verse number 13. And the Philistines, yet again, here they come back again. This is another battle, and they spread themselves abroad in the valley. You know the one thing, let's give the Philistines their kudos. They wouldn't give up. I mean, they'd get whooped, they'd come right back again. They'd fight the battle, they'd come right back again. They just wouldn't give up up. And let me just say this, the devil's not going to give up on us. Just like these Philistines wouldn't give up on Israel, he's not going to give up on us. And many times when we get the victory over him in our life, he comes back again, but this time he comes back with a greater ferocity, with a greater desire, a greater ferociousness to, 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 to overthrow us and to defeat us once again. He's not going to give up. You know, the Lord Jesus, one of the greatest days in the life of the Lord Jesus had to be on the day that he got baptized. You know, that was the beginning of his public ministry. He's 30 years old. I mean, from the age of 2 up to the age of 30. For 28 years, he's lived basically in total obscurity. At the age of 30, he steps out. Now, it's time to begin his ministry, and he begins it by being baptized. What a great day that must have been. The day that he went down to the Jordan River, and there's old John the Baptist. He's sloshing water. He's baptizing. People And Jesus steps up and the Bible said Jesus also was baptized that day. And when he got baptized, you talk about a service. The Bible said the heavens opened up and the the voice cried out of heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Bible said the spirit of God like a dove began to descend down from heaven and lit upon the Lord Jesus. What a great day that was. But then right after that we read that the Spirit of God drove him into the wilderness. And for 40 days and 40 nights he didn't eat, he didn't drink for 40 days... Or for 40 nights. Now you've got to understand in 40 days and 40 nights without eating, you've got to understand he's very vulnerable. He's very weak. He's very emaciated. I mean, his condition is he he has no strength whatsoever and enrolls the devil. Remember that? And on three different occasions he tips the Lord Jesus, and on every occasion, in that weak condition, he overcomes the devil. He's victorious over the devil. And here's what Matthew said about that. Matthew chapter three, uh, chapter four, verse eleven. The Bible said, "Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered." Don't you know that Lord Jesus enjoyed that? But Luke adds something to the story that Matthew leaves off. Luke said this about it: "And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him. Now say the last three words: for a season." Those three words indicate to me he may have left for a little bit, but he come back again. Hey, you and I may have some great victories over the devil in our life, and I hope you do. I hope you can look back over your spiritual life and say, man, there was when the devil came against me, and God enabled me, and God helped me to win the victory. We may have some of those victories, but guess what? He'll be back again. Hey, you may have, you may have had a great victory this week or in the last few weeks when the devil brought a temptation in your life and you stood firm and you didn't yield, but wait a minute. He'll be back again. He may have departed for a season, but he will come back again. You know, the Olympics were canceled last year. You know, the 2020 Olympics. So it's my understanding they have put them off till this year. And unless they cancel them again this year, which there is some talk about that, but probably what, long about June, July, we'll have the Summer Olympics, 2020 Olympics. I think they're over in in, in maybe Tokyo, Japan this year. Well, there's one little country, a little African country, that is is famous for producing these long-distance runners. And every year, without fail... The little country of Kenya will send just this little motley crew of, of, uh, of representatives from their country, but they almost always take home the gold medal, uh, the gold medal when it comes to long-distance runs. Back in 2016, uh, a a runner from Kenya by the name of Bernard Kip Laggett won the gold medal. 41 years old, oldest man in Olympic history to ever win a gold medal, but he won it in the cross-distance run. And when he got through and they crowned him with a a gold medal, they asked him how his little country always managed to produce such runners. And here was his answer. He said it's the road signs. He said, all over my country, there are road signs which say, beware of the lions. (laughs) And can I tell you something? You and I better beware. We are little sheep in the midst of lion country. We're no match for the devil. I'm no match for him. You're no match for him. But I think in this text this morning, we kind of get a notion, an idea of how we can overcome the devil even though he won't leave us alone. I want to share three things with you from this text this morning of how David handled these pesky, how David handled these persistent, how David handled these passionate Philistines. In reality, show us how we ought to handle our attacks from the devil. Let's look at this together. First of all, I want you to see, number one, that David settled his dependence on God. David settled his dependence on on God. So here's David, and here's all these Philistines. Now, I find it interesting, if you look there at verse number 8, they didn't come up and seek to attack David until they heard that he had been anointed the king Over the nation of Israel. Now we're familiar with how all that played out. You know, the first king over Israel was King Saul. King Saul was a man that God or the nation of Israel chose. He was head and shoulders above everybody else, and he was their choice to become their king. And the Bible said that God sent Samuel over to anoint uh, uh, Saul to become king over the nation of Israel. And we read about that in this verse right here, where the Bible said Samuel took a vial of oil. Now, let me, let me put that in kind of language. Samuel took a little tube of oil and he put it on Saul and he said, "'Has not God anointed you to be the captain over his inheritance?' Well, we know Saul then rebelled against God. He got pride in his heart. He rebelled against God. And God, God went out looking for another king. God had set Saul aside. And God went out and found him a king that he chose. Not the people. Not the people chose. But the king that he chose. And that was, that was little David. And the Bible said that when they came, when Samuel went to anoint David to be king, that he took an horn of oil. Not a little tube but a horn of oil and poured it on. You know what that convinces me of? That convinces me God had big plans for David. God is going to do something big for God. Uh, David's going to do something big for God. God's going to use this boy in a mighty in a big way. And now we read years later after these Philistines have heard that God has anointed David to do something for him. Here they come seeking David trying to stop him. In fact, in verse number 9, we're told that they spread themselves abroad. Can you just imagine? Here's David. Here's his little army. And here's this massive Philistine army. And they've spread themselves. It looks like they go on for miles and for miles. And they're there in the valley of the giants. But they didn't come until David had been anointed by God. Now listen, here's what I want. Here's what I take away from that, ladies and gentlemen. You know something? Once before Before we get saved, the devil doesn't bother us because he's already got us where he wants us. But when God anoints us, Amen. When God puts his hand on us. You know God has his way of turning people around don't he? God has a way of taking somebody that used to live for the devil. I mean full out for the devil but God through the uh, through the, uh, the miracle of salvation turns that person around and all of a sudden that person that was living so wrong and so ungodly. God turns them around and cleans them up and anoints them and God begins to use that person to glorify himself. Let me tell you something. When the devil hears that, you better know he's going to come up. He's going to spread himself out. He's going to seek to destroy you. He don't like what God's trying to do in your life. No wonder he won't give up. He don't want somebody that's been anointed to preach or somebody's that been anointed to teach or somebody's been anointed to sing or somebody's been anointed to witness and somebody's been anointed to reach others. You better know he's going to spread himself out and try to stop you from doing something for God. Hey, can I stop and say it like this? When God makes up his mind to use you. The devil makes up his mind to stop you. Listen, I'm here to tell you he's going to come against us time and time and time again. He's seeking to destroy us, seeking to disable us, seeking to discredit us, seeking to disarm us, seeking to disqualify us. He doesn't play fair. Ladies and gentlemen, he'll take any means possible to stop you. But here's the thing. David was not dependent upon himself. He was dependent upon God. to give him the victory over these Philistines. And I just want to say this morning, if there is going to be any victory, it's going to have to come from God. Amen. In fact, I like what he does. In verse number 10, verse 11, God gives him a great victory. But if you look at verse 12, they've whooped the fire out of him so bad that when these Philistines are fleeing for their life, that they leave their gods behind. Do you see that? Verse 12. And did you notice that word gods? is with a little g. They left their little g gods and they ran for their life. But I like what David did. If you look there at verse number 12, the Bible said David gave commandment to all of his men. Now, we ain't living, leaving these little g gods laying around. We're getting rid of this mess. If we leave these little gods laying around, they'll become a snare to us. So we're going to gather all these things up and we are going to burn them. Can I give you some good godly advice this morning? If you've been delivered from alcohol, why are you going to leave that stuff laying around in your house? Hey, if you've been delivered from pornography, why are you going to keep them apps on your phone? Hey, if you've been delivered from an immoral lifestyle, why are you going to keep them contacts where you can keep reaching back out to that crowd? Let me give you some good advice. If God's given you the victory, hey, burn the gods that you used to serve and serve the living, only true and living God, the big God, the big G God. David settled his dependence on God. You leave that stuff laying around, it's too easy to reach back over there and grab that stuff. You leave that stuff laying around, it's too easy to go back to it. But if you'll burn it, if you'll dispose of it, hey, if you'll destroy it, it's harder to go back to it if it's not in arms reached. Amen? And amen. David settled his dependence upon God. David said there's going to be no other God but the big God, the true and the living God of Israel. And all this other stuff is going to be burned. You got anything in your life you need to burn? You know, I remember when I was growing up as a teenager, every once in a while, we'd have these youth rallies at different churches. And after it was over, they had these big bonfires. And people would bring the rock music. Back in those days, it was the cassettes, if anybody remembers what a cassette was. And back earlier in my, in, my, in my life, and I don't remember this as well, but there were them eight-track tapes. But they would take those things and they'd throw them into fire. I mean, we'd have bonfires, and so they'd burn those things, get rid of them. They would destroy them. Now, many times they'd go back to them. But I'll tell you what, they had to go spend some money to get them back because they destroyed the ones they had. I wonder if we don't need to have a big bonfire around here every once in a while. I don't think that's unscriptural. I think we ought to maybe every once in a while just just light a big fire over here in the field. Maybe there's some clothes we ought to burn. Hey, maybe there's some magazines we ought to burn. Hey, maybe there's some CDs we ought to burn. Maybe there's some posters we ought to burn. Hey, there's some things we ought to get rid of because if we leave it laying around, it'll come back and haunt us. He settled his dependence on God. What do you need to get rid of? He settled his dependence. Number two, I like this. He sought his direction from God. David just didn't go off and say, Well, the Philistines are here. I guess I better go fight them. But if you look at verse number 8, the Bible said in verse number 8, when the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over Israel, verse number 10, the Bible said, And David inquired of God. Man, he needs some direction. God, what do you want me to do about this? God, I'm up against this massive army. I'm outmanned. I'm outgunned. I'm outnumbered. I mean, I can't, can't whoop this crowd. God, what do you want me to do? And if you look there at verse number 10, God gave him one word, go. Go. Go fight them. And, and David did. Verse number 11. They came up to Baal Parazim, and David smote them there. Then David said, God had broken in upon mine enemies by mine hand like the breaking forth of waters. Let me ask you. You need a breakthrough in your life this morning? Listen, I know that's charismatic talk in a lot of venues, a lot of things. But i tell you, you know, God's people, sometimes we need a breakthrough. Man, their stuff's got us in bondage, stuff that we're bound to, stuff we can't get rid of on our own. Man, we need a breakthrough in our life. God said, David, okay, David said, God, what do you want me to do about this? I'm no match for this crowd. God said, go. I'll give you a breakthrough. And God did it. Well, if you look there at verse number 13, they came back again. They still ain't getting it. Here they come again, verse 13. Spread themselves abroad in the valley. David, therefore David inquired again. Now he's seeking direction. What do you want me to do? Well, if you look there at verse number 10, God said go. But if you look there at verse number 14, God said no. Look at verse 14. Therefore David inquired again of God, and God said unto him, Go not up after them. No, David. We're going to do something different this time. Turn away from them and come up over against them by the mulberry trees. Amen. I remember Brother Rayden Puckett. I get to hear him. He comes on 730 every Sunday morning on WPAQ, so now that I'm coming down the road early to get to the 8 o'clock service, I got to listen to him. And when I was growing up, Brother Ray and Puckett, when he would get happy, he would always say something to this effect, I feel a rustling in the mulberry trees. This is where that come from. The Bible said in verse 14, Uh, God said, come up, go over there and stand near the mulberry trees. Look at verse 15. And it shall be when thou shalt hear a sound of going in the tops of the mulberry trees. God said, that's me. Then go out and fight. I'll go before you. David, that's an indication I am there. Hey, I said all that to say this. David wouldn't fight until he got along with God and sought some direction with God about how to win the victory over the Philistines. Can I tell you something? We can't fight our own battles. We can't face our own giants. We can't fix our own problems. We need the help of God. We can't do it. You've tried to fix that problem before. You've tried to break that addiction before, that bondage. You've tried to settle that argument before. You've tried to fix that situation. You've tried to kill that giant in your life. You've tried to fight that battle on your own. Let me give you some good advice. Stop fighting and start inquiring of God and seeking God's face about what the Lord would have you to do. The Bible said that David inquired of the Lord. Our flesh says this, when all our fails, run to God. But the Spirit of God says this, run to God or all else is going to fail. Amen. He inquired of the Lord. You know, i got to thinking about this. You know, the Bible does not say anywhere in the Bible. I challenge you to find it. There is no verse in the Bible that says that God won't put more on us than we can bear. I've heard that all my life. I've also heard That right before the coming of the Lord, you can't tell one season from another. That ain't in the Bible. That stuff about God putting more on us than we can bear, that's not in the Bible because let's just be honest. Sometimes we get more on us than we can bear. But let me tell you what the Bible does say. It does not say that God will put more on us than we can bear. It doesn't say that. But it does say that God will never put more on us than He can bear. You see, our faith... Our trust, our hope, our confidence is in God. We can't do this on our own. There's no way I can live a victorious life over the devil. There's no way I can break the bondage that the devil seeks to put me in. There's no way out of those addictions that uh, through my bad choices that I can place my life in. I can't get out on my own. But there is a God in heaven. There is a God in glory that can give me the power and the strength to overcome the Philistines, the giants that mount up in my life. Let me tell you what David did. David turned to God. David talked with God. And David trusted in God. And when David did that, God did for David what nobody else could do. God gave him the victory. You need victory in your life this morning? Has the devil been taking it to you lately? Have you, have you lost one battle after the next battle? Have you turned back to something that you shouldn't have turned back to? Have you forgot to burn those gods in your life? I just want to tell you there's a God in heaven that if we'll inquire with him, of him, God can give us the direction to help us to be overcomers in this walk of life and not be overcame, but to be overcomers. God can give us a breakthrough. Amen. David settled his dependence. No other gods but you, God. David sought his direction. But last of all, look in this text. David secured his deliverance from God. You see, to, to me, outside of verse number 10 and verse number 14, where David inquired, can I say it like this? You know what David did? He prayed. When we inquire of God, we're praying to God. And David just prayed to God. He sought God. He asked God for help. He asked God for deliverance. And God told him what he needed to do. But now the $10 million question is, will David do what God told him to do? David, go up. God gave him the victory. Next time, David, no, no, don't go up. Go go over yonder and stand by that thicket of mulberry trees over there. And David, when you hear a sound in the top of those mulberry trees. When you hear a rustling, when you hear the wind begin to blow, and those trees are swaying back and forth, David, that's me. Son, go. Now look at verse 16, the most important phrase in this whole passage. Verse 16, David therefore did as God commanded him. How do you get the victory? Well, you pray. You inquire of God. You burn all the other gods in your life. Get rid of that garbage. It's going to do nothing but drag you right back into that place that you were when your life was so messed up. Amen. He got rid of those gods. Some of us in this room this morning need to get rid of some stuff in our life. Men, look this way. Guys, if that telephone is causing you to stare at that pornography in God's name. Disconnect the internet service from your phone. That's burning the gods that seek to drag you down. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how many men in our church are addicted to pornography. It is absolutely astounding some of the things that I have to deal with as a pastor of this church from men that's said in our services three times a week that are addicted to that pornography, that smut, that filth, that garbage. And you don't even understand how demeaning and how lowering that is to the self esteem of your wife. And you are literally destroying your family. You better burn that mess. If all, listen, am I in the text? Am I preaching in the text this morning? That Philistine is going to come back, and it's going to come back, and it's going to come back, and if you keep that mess laying around and you can just reach back over and grab a hold of that, every time it's going to rise up, and it's going to get the victory over you. Burn it. Get a hold of God. And then do what He commanded you to do. How how simple is that? What happened? Look in our text. David therefore did as God commanded him. And the Bible said they smote the host of the Philistines from Gibeon even to together. I mean, this time, man, he, he just didn't drive them back. They just didn't retreat. I mean, they had to leave the country. I mean, they left. They got away from there because David did what God commanded him to do. Now, I'm not putting any of you on the spot, but, hey, hey what do you need to burn in your life? What do you need to get rid of? What do you need to put out of your, out of your reach? Hey, what, why don't you start calling on God? Hey, why don't you do what God in the Bible says for you to do? And you can enjoy a breakthrough, a victory in your life this morning. You can have that David did and so can you. But bad news and I'm done. All I did was wet my finger and I went over about three chapters and guess what? Here they come again. They still ain't learned their lesson. This boy, I mean, you can't, you can't, this boy's going to whoop you if you get around him. In fact, in that next chapter, I, oh boy, I wish I could find it. I want to say it's chapter eighteen, maybe chapter nineteen. Yeah, go over to chapter. Go over to chapter. Go over to chapter, uh, uh, over to chapter twenty. Oh, watch this, and we're done. Verse uh, chapter 20, I want to say it's even in chapter 19, but I, I know it's in chapter 20. And the Bible said this. It came to pass, verse 4, I'm in verse number 4. It came to pass after this, there arose a war at Geezer with the Philistines. Then if you'll drop down, verse 5, there was war again with the Philistines. Then if you'll drop down verse number 6, and yet again there was war at Gath with another Philistines. Can I just tell you something? It... Excuse my English. It ain't going to stop. I mean from here to the city limit sign of the new Jerusalem. They're going to keep coming. They're coming back. They're going to keep coming. But here's the key. Watch me. Here's the key. Burn the mess. Get a hold of God. And do what God tells you to do. And you can be victorious over the Philistines of your life. You don't have to live in defeat. You don't have to live in misery. God's given us a plan to help us to overcome the Philistines in our life. God's given us a plan for a breakthrough. Watch this. Look at me. Amen and amen. God help us this morning. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray I pray.